when you compared fit versus unfit people, the unfit people had 2.4 times higher risk of death. When they looked at people who were obese, who were fit versus people who were uh, fit but not obese, there was only a 14% increased risk of death. So what they are showing in this study, and there's many studies, many individual studies that have shown this as well, is that when we take individuals who are fit, who have a high fitness level, who are obese, they seem to be mostly protected from the negative health outcomes that we see in unfit obese individuals and unfit healthy weight individuals. So unfit healthy weight individuals have worse health outcomes than fit obese individuals. Welcome to the Nutrition Science Podcast, where we help you cut through the noise and make informed science-based decisions about nutrition and your health. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Chavez. And in this episode, we are going to discuss the health at every size movement. And we're going to talk about whether or not you can really be healthy at any size. And I want to get into a little bit of detail about what the movement is about, because I've seen it spoken about online in mostly extremes. And I want to actually discuss what the five principles of the health at every size movement are and let you make your own decision about what you think about the movement and the principles. Like I said, I see a lot of extremism online. This isn't a topic that I was initially planning to cover, but I've gotten several questions about it on social media. It comes into my inbox nearly every time I do a Q&A, and this is something that I feel there's some value in me going into a little bit more detail about. So we're going to discuss what the Health at Every Size movement is, and we are also going to discuss the relative importance of weight and body fat when it comes to health outcomes versus habits, nutrition and exercise habits specifically. And we'll look at how those things impact health and health outcomes, because I think it's really important to understand the actual impact that body weight has on health and that these habits have on health to understand where we need to be placing our focus. So before we get started in the content, I want to thank all of you who have been leaving reviews. I've seen more and more reviews come in. The podcast is consistently ranking in the top 50 in nutrition podcasts and oftentimes breaking the top 25, and that is thanks to you all. So I really appreciate it. Those of you who are also sharing the show on social media and tagging me, I try to see as many of those as I can and either respond to you or share it on my stories. Some of those will go into what's called like the message request box on Instagram where I don't really necessarily see it, but I try my best to get to all of those, to respond to you, to share it, and to express my appreciation. So for those of you who are sharing the show, and that way, I really appreciate it. The way that podcasts work is they only grow if those who are listening are leaving reviews and sharing the show because it's not like a social media algorithm where I can put out an episode and it's going to get blasted out to people who have never heard this show before. The only way that new people discover the show is when you all share it. So I really appreciate that. The show has been growing, as I mentioned in previous episodes, and that is thanks to you all. So I really appreciate it. If you've been enjoying the podcast and you haven't left a review, I would really appreciate it if you took a couple of minutes and went and did that. Like I said, it's really helpful with the rankings, with getting this show out to more people. And I like to see the feedback. It's nice to see the positive messages that come in through the reviews. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the content of the episode. So the Health at Every Size movement. The first thing I want to do is define what that movement is. So it's centered around five principles, and here's what they are. Weight inclusivity, respectful care, health enhancement, 
eating for well-being, and life-enhancing movement. So weight inclusivity means accept and respect the inherent diversity of body shapes and sizes and reject the idealizing or pathologizing of specific weights. So basically, there is no ideal body that everyone should be striving for, and let's not you know, make people feel that there is. I fully agree with that. Next is respectful care. Acknowledge our biases and work to end weight discrimination, weight stigma, and weight bias. Provide information and services from an understanding that socioeconomic status, race, gender, sexual orientation, age, and other identities impact weight stigma and support environments that address these inequities. So this is basically speaking to weight stigma, which exists throughout our society, especially, or it becomes especially harmful when it exists in medical care. And this is very, very common. And this is part of the reason that this Health at Every Size movement has become popular is because individuals who live in larger bodies are often discriminated when it comes to healthcare and discriminated against in a variety of settings because people tend to associate those larger bodies with certain habits or laziness or overeating or lack of physical activity or whatever the case may be. And a lot of our society tends to discriminate against individuals of a certain body size. This is not a good thing. This is harming people and it's harming people for reasons uh, based on making assumptions about people based on their body size, which aren't going to be correct in many cases. The reason someone is carrying more body weight and living in a larger body is going to be impacted by a variety of different things beyond willpower and whether or not they are a good person. So this is something that I completely agree with, especially when it comes to medical care. There's individuals who, if you are someone who is carrying extra body weight and you complain to a doctor about a certain ailment, oftentimes they are not going to take the same steps in determining what might be going on, often they're going to recommend weight loss or they're going to blame it on your weight uh, versus being more inquisitive about something underlying that may be causing the problem. And this can contribute to just really insufficient health care for these individuals. So uh, agree with that. Respectful care. Everyone deserves to be treated with respect. Health enhancement. So support health policies that improve and equalize access to information and services and personal practices that improve human well-being, including attention to individual, physical, economic, social, spiritual, emotional, and other needs. So this is basically just saying uh, one of the principles is giving people access to resources that help them to enhance their health and making those available to everyone. Can't really disagree with that. Fully behind that. Next, eating for well-being. Promote flexible, individualized eating based on hunger, satiety, nutritional needs, and pleasure rather than any externally regulated eating plan focused on weight control. So this is taking a holistic approach to nutrition versus a strictly weight loss focused approach. I agree with that. Now, there are cases where losing excess body fat may be very important for improving someone's health, but it shouldn't be the only focus of nutrition and in healthcare settings and also outside of healthcare settings. A lot of the focus on nutrition is around the way that someone looks, their body composition. And you've heard me talk about this before. If you listen to this podcast, that is not the most important thing when it comes to nutrition. Now, it is important, um, but there are many other factors when it comes to nutrition that are important for our health beyond its ability to change our body size. Next is going to be life-enhancing movement. Support physical activities that allow people of all sizes, abilities, and interests to engage in enjoyable movement to the degree that they choose. Fully on board with this one as well. Talked about this a bit in the previous episode. 
if you want to check that out, where I talked about how to build a simple and effective exercise plan. But life-enhancing movement just means movement to improve your life and not necessarily to lose body fat or cause you to live in a smaller body. Uh, this is incredibly important. The most important aspects of exercise are not tied to weight loss, but the health improvements that occur when we expose our body to higher amounts of stress in various ways and cause our body to adapt in positive ways. So again, I talked about that in the previous episode, and I recommend checking that out if you want to hear more about that. But life-enhancing movement, everyone should be encouraged to move and should be encouraged to engage in activities that are appropriate for them. And exercise shouldn't be all about weight loss. I fully agree with that. So as you can tell, um, so the five principles, weight inclusivity, respectful care, health enhancement, eating for well-being, and life-enhancing movement. I pretty much agree with all of these. I think these are great principles. And I think this movement overall is a very positive movement. And it is really, really important for individuals who, for whatever reason, living in larger bodies, carrying excess body fat, to be treated like humans, to be treated with respect, to get the same level of care as other people, to be uh, encouraged to engage in healthy habits without a complete focus on their losing weight. And so for that reason, I'm all for promoting the principles of the Health at Every Size movement. The challenge is that sometimes these things can be taken to extremes. So there's two extremes that you will sometimes come across on social media and elsewhere, and they're on opposite sides of the spectrum, of course. And one of them is on the side of blaming all negative health outcomes associated with excess body fat on the stigma that people experience. So some people on one side of the equation will say there is no negative health effects of carrying excess body fat. The reason that people have worse health outcomes is because of the stigma. And it's not it has nothing to do with the actual carrying of excess body fat. Now this is completely untrue. This is very well documented the ways in which carrying excess body fat can have a negative impact on health. Now, we'll talk about this a little bit more throughout the rest of this podcast. It's not that simple. Having more body fat doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be worse off in terms of health. But if you're carrying a very high amount of body fat, that's going to lead to metabolic dysfunction, systemic inflammation, that's going to negatively impact your health in a variety of ways. So individuals on that side of the extreme will say there's no benefit to weight loss. There's no reason to try to lose weight. And they, again, take a, a very extreme position there. On the other side, there's individuals who will make the claim that this movement is because people don't want to take responsibility for their choices and they want to uh, have a way to justify being obese. And this is not the case at all. Oftentimes, this is from people who are just naturally skinny or very obsessive with their physical attributes and trying to stay skinny or trying to stay at a low body fat percentage or trying to stay very lean. And they have a very judgmental approach of people who just live a life that's different than theirs. And there's a lot of this. There's a lot of discrimination against people who happen to be carrying excess body fat or just living in a larger body overall. You know, some people have BMI of 30 and they're just bigger people and aren't necessarily carrying even that much body fat. They're just a larger individual because we come in all shapes and sizes. Humans come in all shapes and sizes. We are all different. And this is why I do not believe that applying a specific BMI cutoff or a body fat percentage cutoff as a quote unquote healthy weight or 
healthy body fat percentage makes any sense. And even with that, uh, when we look at the relationship between weight and health outcomes, it's not as strong as we may have been led to believe. For example, there was a study that was published in 2016 in the British Medical Journal titled BMI and All-Cause Mortality, Systematic Review and Nonlinear Dose-Response Meta-Analyses of 230 Cohort Studies and 3.74 million deaths among 30.3 million participants. Long title, basically this is a massive study compiling a lot of data on the relationship between BMI and health outcomes. And this study found that every five kilogram per meter square increase in BMI, so going from 20 to 25, 25 to 30, was associated with a 5% increased risk of mortality. So going from 25 to 30, 30 to 35, each five point increase was associated with 5% increased risk of mortality. Now, this was strengthened, this relationship was strengthened pretty significantly when they excluded people who were smokers and people who had existing uh, health conditions. So after they did that, this relationship was about a 20% increase for every five BMI increase. So when they went from 20 to 25, those 20% increased risk of mortality, 25 to 30, about a 20% increased risk of mortality, and so on. Um, the important thing to note here, though, is in this study, they did two separate analyses. They did BMI uh, and mortality alone, and then they did it after adjusting or after excluding people who were smokers and people who uh, had existing health conditions. And this strengthened the relationship. However, there's something really important that's missing in this study, and it's missing in a lot of the research that you're going to see when people are describing the relationship between BMI or body fat and health outcomes. And that's that they're not adjusting for other factors that are also important. So they're adjusting for smoking and they're adjusting for existing health conditions, but they're not adjusting for exercise and they're not adjusting for dietary habits. And what we know is that individuals with a higher BMI are likely to have poorer dietary habits and are likely to exercise less. And almost none of these studies make adjustments for these two factors. And when they do, these relationships don't seem to be as strong. And I'll share a few studies that have done that in a second so you see how strong this relationship is. But before that, I, I wanna talk about body fat percentage. So um, BMI is associated with increased risk of mortality when we don't account for exercise and nutrition habits. Okay, and it's about a 20% risk for every five kilograms per meter square increase in BMI. So like I said before, there is a relationship between higher body weights and worse health outcomes. But where does that start to become a problem? So there was another study that was published in 2022. This study included about a million participants, a little under a million participants. This was a compilation of 35 studies, and it was looking at the relationship between body fat percentage, not BMI, because BMI doesn't tell us anything about people's muscle mass. And what we want, really want to look at is the amount of fat mass and how that's impacting health, because that has a stronger impact on overall health than BMI alone. Because if someone gains muscle, their BMI goes up and their health improves. And that's going to be teased out a little bit when we look at body fat. But the problem is that, as you heard, there's only a million participants in this study. There's 35 million in the other study. We have a lot more data on BMI, and that's why that gets reported on more often, is because it's a lot easier to assess someone's BMI than it is to assess their body fat percentage. And that's why BMI is often used. It's just an easy metric. It's not an accurate metric. It shouldn't be a metric to be used. Uh, as a diagnostic tool, it's just an easy one, and it's used as a population screening tool, and it shouldn't necessarily be used to determine 
whether or not you're healthy. You having a BMI of 27 or 28 versus someone who has a BMI of 24 doesn't make them healthier than you. For example, my BMI is 27, 28, somewhere around there. My body fat percentage is under 15, lower than most people's. There's a lot of people who have a BMI lower than mine, who have less muscle mass, more fat mass, and have worse metabolic health. Um, that is just, we, we don't use BMI in that way. It shouldn't be used in that way, and unfortunately it still is, and that's just not the right thing to do. We should not be using BMI as a way to assess people's health. Now, body fat percentage can be a little bit more accurate because excess body fat is really the problematic factor when it comes to gaining weight. When we have excess body fat, that can lead to some of the things I mentioned earlier, excess inflammation, metabolic dysfunction. So that's what we're more interested in. And in this study, they looked at a million people, and what they found was that the body fat that was associated with the lowest risk was about 22% for men and 35% for women. This is a lot higher than what most people would expect and what you would see like people would consider like a healthy weight or ideal body fat percentage. As I just mentioned, I'm a little bit under 15. Even myself, I would not be considered extremely lean compared to most of the fitness models and, and influencers that you see online who are carrying like under 10. That is not healthy for most people. To get down to a 10% as a male or, or get under you know, 12, 10% for most people, and we're all different, like I mentioned earlier, all of our bodies are different. We come in all shapes and sizes. But for most people, that's going to require a level of restriction that's probably going to have a negative impact on recovery, on hormonal health, and on other factors as well. Um, same thing with women. So the body fat percentage is associated with the Longest lifespan in these studies is 35%. That is significantly higher than what most women are shooting for. A lot of women are shooting for like 20-ish, low 20s. And there's no health advantage. There's no documented health advantage of getting that low in body fat. Yes, we don't want to carry excess body fat. But what is excess is a lot more than what most people think is excess. Excess body fat really requires getting up into these 22-ish and higher percentages for men and 35-ish and higher percentages for women. And again, we're all different. Every single person is different and there's differences between different ethnicities and other factors as well. But for most people, you can probably carry more body fat than what you probably think in your mind is healthy and be perfectly healthy. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think that there's a certain body fat percentage that is healthy for each individual. This is what the data shows. 22% for men was the sweet spot of the lowest risk of death, 35% for women, but each person's going to be different. The healthy body fat percentage for you is the body fat percentage that you're at when you're healthy and when you're able to live a sustainable life and don't have to revolve it around your nutrition and exercise routine. So um, yeah, you can potentially, let's say for example, for me, I could get down to a 10% body fat but that would require me structuring my nutrition and lifestyle in a way where it was more rigid, where I didn't go out to eat with friends, where I didn't randomly go to a CC's buffet because my son didn't have school a couple of days ago for lunch. I would have to cut these things out. And is that the quote unquote healthiest thing for me to do from a nutrition standpoint? No, but my son was extremely happy and he had a day off from school because it was really cold. And we were passing a CC's buffet. We hadn't been in a really long time. He loves going there with his family. And I said, you know what? Why not? 
And he was super happy about it. On the way in, he said it was the best day ever. Being able to have those experiences and not live a rigid lifestyle is worth those extra couple of percentage points of body fat that you'll carry if you allow yourself that level of flexibility. Now, if you don't and you want to be a little bit more rigid, that's perfectly fine as well. You just have to figure out what works best for you. I've maintained lower levels of body fat before. It's just not worth it for me. And I'll have phases where I'll lose a little body fat for a little bit, but I know that's not necessarily for health. For me, it's mainly for performance uh, with running, jumping, basketball. I just feel a little bit better with about 10 pounds less on me. So I will do that intentionally sometimes when my weight starts to creep up because I allow myself quite a bit of flexibility in my normal life because it's what I enjoy and it's what I prefer to do. I'm not saying anyone else has to have this level of flexibility. And in all honesty, many people need to be more rigid with their nutrition, especially at first when you're building new habits. Uh, but I've been doing this for quite some time. I've been extremely rigid during periods of my life. And I found a really happy balance where I feel good and have a lot of flexibility in my nutrition choices. So point there, BMI, there is an increased risk with higher levels of BMI. When it comes to body fat, we... The amount of body fat that we can carry healthfully uh, is probably higher than what most people think. And same thing with BMI. Uh, depending on the study we look at, sometimes the BMI that's associated with the, with the best health outcomes is around 27-ish. Other studies show about 25. It depends on whether or not they exclude smokers, whether or not they take into account exercise and nutrition habits. But the important point is having a BMI over 25 doesn't mean you, you're in worse health than someone who has BMI less than 25. These are just arbitrary numbers. BMI, I'm not going to go into all the detail, but BMI was essentially just made up for life insurance charts and it's been used forever. This is not necessarily based on data. There's no good data to show that 25 is a you know good cutoff for where people are experiencing worse health outcomes when it comes to BMI. Again, these are just made up numbers. It's sad that the healthcare system and insurance companies and things use these data quite frequently to make decisions about things because in my opinion, this perpetuates some of this discrimination and it's just not based on good science. So the next thing I wanna discuss is the relationship between fitness and health outcomes and then also comparing the relationships between fitness and body fat and health outcomes. So there was a study that was published in 2014 by Barry and colleagues and it compared the effects of fitness versus fatness on health outcomes and they compiled the results of 10 studies that had data from over 90,000 participants it's harder to get data on this particular subject because we have to measure people's fitness levels somehow. So this is why this study has a little bit less participants. It's not because it's a bad study. It's a great study. It's just we don't have a lot of data on fitness levels people. And this is why this is not taken into account in most studies because it's just not, we don't have data on it. So we can't take it into account. Um, but these studies, this is a compilation of studies that did have data on it where it had fitness levels and BMI. And what they found was that when people were unfit, there was a 2.4 higher times risk of death. So when you compared fit versus unfit people, the unfit people had 2.4 times higher risk of death. When they looked at people who were obese, who were fit versus people who were uh, fit but not obese, there was only a 14% increased risk of death. So what they are showing in this study, and there's many studies, many individual studies that have shown this as well, is that when we take individuals who are fit, who have a high fitness level, who are obese, they seem to be mostly protected from the negative health outcomes that we see in unfit obese individuals and unfit healthy weight individuals. So unfit healthy weight individuals have worse health outcomes than fit obese individuals. That's what this study showed. 
There's another study um, that was published in 2016. It was called the FIT Project. This one included 30,000 men and women, tracked them for an average of 10 years, and they showed that people who had an exercise capacity of under six metabolic equivalents had a four times higher risk of death than those who had a exercise capacity of over 12. So basically, they put people on a treadmill, they see how much exercise they can do, and those who were significantly more uh, able to complete higher levels of exercise had four times lower risk of death in this study. And when they looked at the effects of obesity and accounted for fitness levels, there was no increase in risk for having a higher BMI category if you were fit. So fit individuals who were obese, overweight, didn't have increased risk of death versus fit normal weight individuals. But when you looked at unfit individuals, unfit individuals overall had a four times higher risk of death than normal weight fit individuals. So there is a stronger relationship, and this has been shown in many studies, between fitness and health outcomes than there is between body fat or BMI and health outcomes. So if we care about improving people's health, we should be more focused on helping them to improve their fitness levels than we are on helping them to lose weight. Now let's take a look at nutrition. So there was a study that was published in 2016 in the Journal of Human Nutrition and Dietetics. It was called Adherence to the Healthy Eating Index and Alternative Healthy Eating Index, Dietary Patterns and Mortality from All Causes, Cardiovascular Disease, and Cancer. This one was a meta-analysis of observational studies. And what this means is they were looking at how well people adhered to what are essentially the dietary guidelines. So people who ate more whole grains, more fruits, more vegetables, people who ate less saturated fat, people who ate less sodium, people who ate less added sugar, um, they compiled the score based on basically adherence to the dietary guidelines. So more dairy was also a positive. And this healthy eating index has been tested in multiple studies. In this study, they looked at 12 studies and included over 900,000 participants. And what they found was that adherence to a healthy eating index was associated with a 23% lower risk of death from any cause and a 23% lower risk of death from heart disease, as well as a 17% lower risk of death from cancer. And this is after adjustment for BMI. So in this study, they're taking into account body weight. And so individuals who had better dietary habits, and in this study, they adjusted for BMI, meaning they took BMI into account with these numbers, and this 23% lower risk was after adjustment for BMI. So this is showing that nutrition probably plays a bigger role when it comes to our health than body fat as well, adherence to healthy dietary patterns. So when we take into account nutrition and exercise habits, and we look at the risk reduction that can be achieved with improving these habits, and we compare that to some of the risk associated with having excess body fat, it's not that difficult to make a case to say maybe we should focus on habits versus weight when it comes to improving people's health, even among individuals who are obese and who are carrying excess body fat, because those individuals may not have a high success rate with losing significant body fat and may not be able to get into a quote unquote normal weight BMI, but they can improve their fitness levels and they can improve their dietary habits and they can adhere better to a healthy dietary pattern. And that may not lead to weight loss, but that will lead to health improvements. And health improvements is the goal, right? So this is where I, I agree with this message fully. The health at every size movement, the five principles, in my opinion, they're data driven. I know people can take them to an extreme, 
but we need to, as a society, as a healthcare system, we need to be focused less on telling people to lose weight and focus less on the way people look and their body fat percentage and their body size and more on promoting healthy habits, regardless of weight loss, because this is where people are going to experience the greatest health improvements. So if you care about people's health, and this is something that I see online where people say, oh, I'm, I shame people who are obese because I care about their health, or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying these things, or I'm calling you uh, fat or whatever, because I care about your health. And the reality is, if people really cared about other people's health in that way, uh, they would be encouraging healthy habits versus shaming people for their body size. And also, if people really cared about people's health in that way, they would be, um, you know, and they, they wanted to take it from a shaming perspective, they would be shaming people who didn't exercise. They would be shaming people with poor dietary habits who, who are normal weight. They would be shaming their friends who, who, um, who don't exercise regularly but aren't overweight. Uh, but they're not. These people are not, typically. And oftentimes it comes from a place of discrimination versus caring about people's health because, as we've discussed in this episode, if you really care about people's health, uh, the focus should be on the habits that improve health versus the way someone looks or the amount of body fat they're carrying. And again, I understand losing excess body fat for individuals who are carrying too much body fat, who are experiencing metabolic dysfunction or other negative health consequences from that can be helpful and will substantially improve their health. But if we focus instead of on losing weight, on improving habits, moving more, eating healthier, and we encourage people to do those things, they're going to improve their health, and then they might lose some weight and improve their health a little bit more as a consequence of the healthier lifestyle choices. So that's just my take on it. I hope this episode was insightful, informative, got you thinking in new ways about this topic, and if you found it helpful, share it with someone else who you think can benefit from it. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. Hope you all have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Thank you.